This episode of the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast is in memory of Donald C. Davidson, the father of our Trekkie co-producer, Dan Davidson. The Sci-Fi Sisters would like to extend our sympathies to the entire Davidson family. sci-fi sisters podcast where we give you our point of view we are proud members of the trek geeks network and we are so happy to bring you sci-fi sisters show episode 16 the falcon and the winter soldier episode 5 truth i'm tamia harper and today i'm joined by my sci-fi sisters uh sabrina wood i'm going back to whoop whoop (laughs) yvette blackman tom Hello. <laughs> and J.D. Keeling. Are you about <laughs> hello, hello. So we have a lot to dive into um, on the Sam and Bucky show today. And as usual, our guide through this MCU story is going to be the fabulous, the one and only, the fly sister, J.D. J.D., take it away, sis. All right, so today we will be going over the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth. If you have not seen the episode, I feel like at this point, we're five episodes in, it's been weeks, guys. Like, you don't got to wait for a new episode just to watch it, but go ahead, pause. Okay, I'm assuming you're done now. (laughs) So let's begin with the episode which it's an episode starts off strong ends with a lot of montages i could have lived without but back to the beginning we come in hot with john walker having having a bit of a moment after killing that guy he he is it's actually really interesting because he is having all sorts of crazy man flashbacks and is going through some deep emotions. But it's not about what he did, but rather his motive. Because it's clear John Walker does not feel bad for what he did. He feels bad for what he let happen. And I find that amazing. So let's dive in. What do y'all think? Don't everybody jump at once. (laughs) Yeah, like... Honestly, I keep talking about this. I want you to expound a little bit on what you mean by he feels bad by what for what he let happen. Oh, with Lamar. Like he if you watch the flashbacks, what he is flashing back to is Lamar dying. He doesn't care that he killed a man. He doesn't care that people saw. What he cares about is he let his best friend die. That's on him, and he feels that. That murder, that, well, that had to happen, obviously. He let his friend die. The man killed his friend. So obviously he had to die too. Well, At least in the mind of John Walker. Right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's immediately justifying his actions, right? You know, um, I mean, I, I get you with that, though, that he's focused on 
uh, what he let happen, that he saw it as a personal failing that his friend died. You know, I was just like, I knew that we were, well, let me back up. I liked the way that they opened the episode um, and how they filmed and related the, the psychotic break that he was happening. You know, I felt like I could understand what they were trying to tell me uh, and that this man was becoming, had become completely unhinged at this point. You know, so I really appreciated how they did that. I mean, I knew it was coming. I knew he was unhinged when, you know, he killed this dude with the shield and it wasn't even the person who killed his friend. Yeah. And then I know later that we will see uh, more evidence of the fracture of reality in his, in his head. Like when he goes to see Lamar's parents. So. What got me about the scene is that I, I agree with JD completely. He is not remorseful in the least about killing that uh, guy who he, who is not Lamar's murderer. And um, he's not, he doesn't care at all that he's got, he's like, I don't care. You know, I would have just killed them all. And I think there was one part where he says in this that um, he's not like Bucky. He, he's not like Bucky. And it was like, you know, Bucky has always struggled with that thing that, you know, he wasn't feeling any remorse when he was the winter soldier. And now that that has all been removed from Bucky, now he's feeling the remorse. And so I thought that was really interesting. I said, well, you, you're right on the winter soldier path now, buddy, because you're not feeling anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, Bucky's telling him, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll check on you in a couple of days. But that was interesting that he said I, I, he, he didn't have any feeling for it at all. He was just mad that Lamar was dead. And I understood that, too. I mean, I did really like this whole way they set this up because you were you get it that he is mad, that he is unhinged. This is his boy. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that amazing commentary. <laughs> Any, anytime. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you have Sam. He tries to talk John down. John's not having it. And then we get this really epic fight choreo that was A, just lovely, and B, absolutely horrifying i i know fear after watching john walker take down bucky take down bucky's arm take down sam take down sam's wings just like rip those off it took a super soldier and sam to take down one crazy white dude like that's not okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah he the evil that was in his face when he was fighting them Telling, telling them, I am Captain America. You know, he was, he had lost it at that point, you know, and he, he thought he was, you know, that, that privilege was emulating all over him. It was like an aura of mm-hmm. this is who I am. Nobody could tell me different. And I'm going to take down anybody who's, who thinks different. It yeah. was, uh, it was pretty scary. It was scary to me also because we see that same expression on people in our country right now, today, you know, and, and, and he encapsulated that and embodied that so well that, you know, 
we're telling this story through this lens of, of uh, him being Captain America, but it's really what um, Black folks and other folks uh, are dealing with uh, in this country when, you know, there's a segment of the population that feels like they are being unseated or the, and that they have to unseated uh, and that they have to are that they are losing power and losing their control over things. And it's manifesting in very unadulterated and pure hate. Um, and, and that hate is stemming from a deep, deep fear, you know, and, um, and, a, and a real well of insecurity. So uh, that's, that's why that, that scene is so effective to me because it's very real, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and also did somebody know, did anybody else know that Bucky's arm could be shorted out? That was really, I, I had to roll back and watch that again because I saw his arm. That's what is going <laughs> on with like arms? the Wakandans did him in. I was like, dang, they didn't tell him they could be taken off. They didn't tell him it could be shorted <laughs> out. I was like, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to the scene with John Walker and Sam at the end. Because that was, a, like you said, J.D., that was a great fight. But it was really a very scary fight. I mean, they were just going at it. And there was a couple of times in there where Bucky was fighting for that shield. It was, I think the one scene when Bucky just kept pounding on the shield, mm-hmm. just hit it and hit it and hit it. But the scene when Walker takes that helmet off and you see he is absolutely crazy. I'm going to take you really to a very dark place. When he had, when he was standing over Sam and then when he ripped the wings off, I said, oh, are we just kind of it was like a almost like a castration scene you know i was just like Mm -hmm. just castrated Mm -hmm. to falcon i was just like what are you showing me what Mm -hmm. are you doing to me Mm -hmm. it was just too much for me i was it was painful what (laughs) it was painful to watch and then you Mm. know yesterday was was it yesterday was the anniversary tuesday Tuesday of george floyd's death Mm -hmm. and you know when that trial murder. was playing, murder, 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 thank you. Let's call it what it is, murder. And when that trial was playing again, that video, you know, when the trial started, they played the video over again, mm. the entire, the entire thing, the entire nine minutes, nine minutes and some change, right? Uh, and I saw, I saw John in Derek Chauvin's expression and face too, as he was kneeling on George Floyd, killing him. I saw the same man, you know? And, and so I thought that, you know, these scenes are very heavy. They were, they were not just a comic book hero, you know, fighting oh. to me. Uh, Chauvin, Chauvin is like, he's something evil because that man showed no, he was just plain cool with the whole thing i mean this character is like you said he's he's fracturing he's losing his mind you've got some sort of something that you can identify with as to why he's so angry even if you don't agree but chauvin is just pure freaking evil i wouldn't even well you know there was a sense of there was that look of satisfaction and smugness on his face as he was doing it and 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 both of the both the, the character John and Derek Chauvin they both exhibited that same thing and so that's why I feel like they're very akin, you know. In that moment, but in that moment, I even put in that moment John in that same 
level of hell. No, that no. In that, hell in, that, in that moment, that it was very, gonna be in. it was very reminiscent. Anyway, to me, that was a, that was a tough scene to watch. And then of course, Bucky tosses that shield down at Sam and looks at him. I said, mm-hmm. between, between the Wakandas tossing that shield off and Sam tossing that shield off, no, you know, they'd just be tossing shields. What is up? <laughs> well, that was Bucky also telling him once again, why did you give mm-hmm. up the shield? Right. Like, this is yours. Take it. Right. Take right. it. Pick, it, would pick be... it up. You would have took it in the just first place. You wouldn't be here. <laughs> Stop running from responsibility. Pick it up. Yeah. Wow. And it was so emotional for Bucky. You know, he's been, like he said, you know, Steve, he and Steve, it's been 90 years of friendship for him. I mean, of course, Steve has been dead, but, you know, that that whole thing with Bucky, for, for Bucky to say to him like this, you know, this is all I ever had. The shield was as much family for me as anything I have. And he's giving it to Sam. He's like, look, are you picking up on this yet? You're the man. It was a deep scene. The whole that whole fight in the end was really very, very emotional. Yeah, and we also see Sam. I'll say almost like slowly coming to terms with it because you know he could live with Walker having it. Well, he could live with no one having it. That would have been preferred. But when the government gave it to Walker, he said, "Okay." This is what's happening. Not my monkey, not my circus. And he learned to live with that. <laughs> right up until him holding this blood-soaked shield and desperately trying to clean it. And he's all like, nope, nope, I fucked up. I did bad. <laughs> I should have yeah, let this happen. <laughs> so like that, that it's it's not until that moment where you finally see Sam realize, oh, oh, this means something. This means something real. Not everyone can hold this. Yeah. Agreed. And then we have a slightly lighter moment of our boy Torres coming in. Game. Cleaning up a little. <laughs> All right. I guess a- what did you do to this? I know, right? What happened to these <laughs> happened to these wings? Poor Taurus is stressed, man. <laughs> like you're not supposed to ruin the wings, Sam. <laughs> just I like I like that moment. I understand. I mean, because otherwise, I mean, I, I understand based on what you've told us, JD, about who Taurus's character develops into, why that scene is there, because otherwise it's a completely unnecessary scene to and- me. For those of you who decided to listen to episode five and not episode one, in the comic books, Torres is actually the current Falcon. So and for him this, to be a little stressed about the wings is natural. Right. It's natural. And then we have Sam literally handing the wings off to him. So keep yeah. them. Yes. You know, they're yours. Keep them. In a sense. It's more like a... Uh, it belong to the government, though. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean. This is this is a send off as Taurus is gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Falcon like wasn't no though. Captain America, so it doesn't require the gravitas. Right. <laughs> 
But then we go into the next scene, and I just want to get some opinions on this one. We go back to Washington, D.C., and Walker's in front of the Senate, the senator, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, that scene really got me. Like, this was complete. You're not even going to court-martial this man. He's standing there yelling and screaming at you still, and you still ain't going to do it? And where is the shield? You just asking him to well, get it because, back. Well, because well, he—they're not going to court-martial him. He, uh-uh. he got three. We weren't even thinking about it. What? They, no, that—that that wouldn't even be realistic to right. do that. You know, they would never do that to him. You know, he's—he uh-uh. has uh-uh. too many uh, medals. Yes, and, well, yeah, and medals I mean, that that everyone doesn't get. You know, yeah, so, and yeah. three of them for one day. Nah, they're not court-martialing. Him. Like it no. seems- I mean, it's, it's worse because they gave him what. The, other than honorable discharge, that is yeah, the worst the thing other than ever do to a soldier. General no, no, no. I mean, that it wasn't just no, that. It wasn't not general. It was other than honorable. Other than honorable, than honorable discharge. Uh huh. He got his no pension, retirement right? taken away. No right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he lost all benefits. So he lost everything. He lost everything in that right. moment. Yeah. But his medals. He still kept his medals. Mm-hmm. See how much that's yeah. worth, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, they, they took and it. And walked in. Yeah, and that gave him back and was still talking, talking all the way out the door. <laughs> it's like, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it, I it just went the same. With Walker. <laughs> what, JD? <laughs> with Walker, it, it's this is another one of those moments where we really see how he approaches life because he tells them, I only did, only ever did what you asked of me, what you told me to be and trained me to do. Like he he is telling like they won't even let him speak, which is really all he wants. He just wants like to say what happened, and he's getting very stressed out because the boy is already you know a little off the deep end. <laughs> so he's getting very stressed that they won't just listen to him when, in his mind, he's done everything they ever wanted him to do. Like he has been that perfect soldier. He has lived through hell. The least they could do is just let him speak. Right. Right. It's just it's it's that it's that soldier trope that they always throw, you know. The soldier did what you told me to do, and now you want to tell me that I'm I'm wrong, but I just did what you told me to do. I'm just who you made me. Mm-hmm. So you know that's what he was. He was like, uh, "Let me speak. I'm still I am Captain America," you know. And they're like, "Not anymore." Right, and mm-hmm. you know, like I understand it from his very warped mind perspective. And what makes it so heartbreaking is that he does have all that history of service to the country and, and was a good soldier, quote unquote, right? You know, well, like he was he, a good soldier. He was a, he was a good soldier for yeah. real. And he was a quote unquote good soldier also, you know, and, um, you know, and so to feel like I'm being ignored and censored because I'm doing, you know, what I was trained to do, you know, is, is one thing, but the other part of that, that we can't lose sight of is that you weren't trained to go off the deep end and kill this person who didn't do anything, (laughs) you know, like that's not, and they're telling him like, shorty, you went way beyond Mm. anything, you know, I will say if you really look at the scene just prior to it, the moment, like, even in like the body isn't even cold yet and 
the GRC has already decided, oh, here's a good government opportunity. They just killed a man. We're going to go invade all their space to figure out where these terrorists are. Yeah. Like they invaded a yeah. refugee camp mm-hmm. on the suspicion that Carly might be there. Right. So they don't, they don't, like it's not, so it's like it's what Yvette said. It's not the fact that John did it. They could right. care less. That's kind of care. the goal there. They yeah. want those guys dead. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. point. That's, that's the reason why they got, gave him the shield. <laughs> right. His, mm-hmm. his job right. was to get them. That came in. That came in episode what two? That was their right. job yeah. to go. That was his job. His job them. wasn't to protect people, like no. you know, save people. His job was to do this one thing. Right. right. His job was to be an enforcer. Right. And they just put Captain America on it mm-hmm. so that people would think it was the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. And this is going to annoy a lot of Steve Rogers fans, but it is what Captain America is. He is the soldier we send in to take out the bad guys. Right. It's it's the difference is with Steve, he's fighting Nazis and Hydra. Like you can't really defend, be like, oh well, that Nazi. He was a really great guy and taught Little League on the weekend. No, still a Nazi. Right. When you're talking about like, oh, these refugees that we displaced that are now mad at us, you got to go kill them. That's when it starts sounding a little bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sort of what Zemo was saying, you know, when he was saying, you know, this whole thing of super soldiers is a bad idea, even when it's the Avengers, because just because you, you know, you're putting them against, you know, truly bad people. Here we are in this case, you've got a super soldier and this isn't, you got a little gray area here about what these people are and you're gray as well. You know, and Zemo was saying, you shouldn't have anybody like this. So it was. It's a. It's a really. Um, you. I like this episode because it really does make you think about what's kind of going on today. What 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 people are trying to say today, and there are no hard and fast. It's this side and that side. It's red right. and it's black. It's just, it's just not as. It's not as cut as it it should be. I mean, you think Walker is the bad guy, but like we said, this whole mission was to get the Flag Smashers, and then when I go get the guy. You take everything away from me because uh, it was on tape. Oops, sorry. Right, and that was my whole point. That 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 that's what I was getting to was that you know they show these really complicated issues. You know, they're they're it's like you said, it's really gray. It's not a definitive like and simplistic. This is bad. This is good. He's a good guy. She's a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Okay, well, you brought me back from that scene because I was just like, this white man is going to pop, 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 pop. Okay, all right. Based on what all of you have said, I'm like, I'm looking at the scene with new eyes. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you, Tamia. Thank you, JD. All right. <laughs> yeah. I was just and... like, this, <clears throat> that had been a brother. Oh, my God, he would have shot him right there in the room. But, um, but you know what? <laughs> Did they just let him, my question, you know me, I always have the, I'm not sure what happened question. <laughs> did they know that he had, they knew he had taken the, the serum right and they just said oh we're not going to give you a pension we're not going to give you you know all your benefits but we know you're a super soldier didn't they watch speed because you know once the retiree gets his pension and everything taken away from him he goes crazy and starts blowing up shit they weren't worried about <laughs> Well, you just I mean, a super well, here's the thing. His pension away. Here's the thing. Super soldier. I'm sure they all knew he was a super soldier. 
I'm, I'm sure like they I'm sure that got leaked out some kind of way. What I, I was thinking about was I mean, that what we saw was the public face of what Val was representing. You know, uh, when Val came into the picture and I know I'm jumping forward in the in the in the show, but no, she's right no, after that. Too. No, this is, yeah, this she, is next. you know, like what she's the those people know on those committees, this is what we have to do for the public face. But, you know, they had that job set up for him. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew that, that oh, you okay. cannot tell me that intelligence doesn't know this already. Oh, you know, they and they speak. had another plan. They were not going to let this weapon be out there loose. Okay. You know, you can't mm-hmm. afford to make an enemy of that. And you might as well keep it as your tool and make use of it. Somebody you else know? will. All or right, somebody well, else will. Exactly. Dot for me. <laughs> well, like, are you letting him walk out of here? Since we're on the subject of Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. I love Fontaine. her. <laughs> Fontaine. Or Val. Played by Julia Louise Dreyfus. The best. Uh, let me just say, like, for those who don't know anything about the character, who is, I believe, supposed to be in Black Widow coming out this summer. Why am I promoting Marvel films? It's kind of my job. Anyways. <laughs> The character first appeared back in 1957. She's a recurring character in the world of Captain America. She was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She used to date Nick Fury, which if we go that route for the MCU, which I'm rooting for, I want to see that. That would be hilarious. Samuel L. Jackson, Julie Louise Dreyfus. You all know you'd be in your seats dying. Yes. I'd pay money. I'd pay money. I'd pay money to see that. Yeah, I would. (laughs) Anyways, she she is also like in the comics. She kind of drove like a little wedge between Cap and Fury because she would not stop flirting with Cap. She also did the same when Cap was with uh, Sharon Carter. Girl really liked herself some Captain America. Either way. In the 2009 issue of Secret Warriors, it turned out she secretly joined Hydra and was was revealed to be a Russian sleeper agent her entire time with S.H.I.E.L.D. What part of this is going to be in the MCU? I personally have no idea. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I didn't know any of that other stuff, but I knew the Hydra part. (laughs) I didn't know that other stuff. I love it. So we don't know what she's going to do. Well, you know, she gave such good... um, you don't know how deep my influence runs vibe. You don't know where I'm going to pop up next vibe. I was like, I'm all in for this story. You know, all in yeah. for her character. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, it's Julia Louis Dreyfus. Right. Yay. Right. Yay. I happen to have gone to the same high school as she did. And our drama teacher at that school is forever proud of her. And we never stopped hearing about it, those of us who came behind her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, rightfully so. She was, she's amazingly talented. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so her bringing that character to life the way she did, um, I, I just can't wait. I could see, I could watch an entire show with her heading it up. She was so, I could just eat her up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. She, she's, her presence, the minute I saw her walk in there, I was like, oh, is that what I think it is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These boots cool. aren't made for walking. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see those things? Yeah. Oh my God. You're like, no, they weren't made for walking. No, they, they, they were weapons. only made for posing. That's good. <laughs> There's a razor blade in there somewhere. I know. <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> but yeah, and we got. Thing... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. She has a line in there that I am using for the rest of my life too, because she said, "These guys in ties." I just <laughs> that was my favorite. Yeah. Okay, these guys in ties. I mean, I felt like she had some of the best written dialogue of the whole episode. You know, her dialogue was great. Yeah, but oh, and uh, we love the I, Countess. I, I brought her up because of what Tamia was saying about the council having a plan for John because I just because of who Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is you can't call her Val unless it's in your head but don't do that either um (laughs) (laughs) because of who she is I could entire if Marvel told me yep council didn't know Jack she has her own show going on behind the scenes I'd be like yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. legit (laughs) I can see that all right, that makes me feel better because I thought it was really very strange that they just let him walk out of that room. Uh, remind me to remind me to come back to her when we start talking about the power broker. Okay, in another, so in another episode. So I have a trek moment. <laughs> I know. Yay! Your I'm turn. Event turn. I, I, it just like popped in my head. So I always, you know, how I, I love Section Thirty One. So. I always, I know people who say, why does there a need? I'm like, why is there a need for Section 31? I look at people strangely. I'm like, uh, the moral ground. So Starfleet and the Federation is this moral entity that has to do good. So if you don't think that there has to be some bad guys underneath all this morality, you're crazy. So every time I, when I was looking at her and thinking about all of this and when you guys were talking about how, why, why they let John walk out. And I was like, Oh, this is like a section 31 moment. So, you know, <laughs> you gotta have those people because John, you know, like you said, he's a super soldier. So you, you have to contain him, but you need to use him because there's certain things that, you know, we can't let, you know, dear old Sam, uncle Sam do out there in the public. Cause we don't want that moment again. You know, we don't want people, you know, watching him smash, smash the shield in anybody's head again. So we have to have somebody that's uh, off the radar to do it. So that that's my section 31. Okay, so that's my track moment for the. I, I like it. it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. And that's a good one. And, and before moving on, I just want to say I do love the card that <laughs> the Contessa gave John's wife. Because there was nothing on it. <laughs> like, right. <I> <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, you have my card. But like, what is the purpose of this? Like, I even like the way she handed move. it to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't even break stride or stop talking. She was just like, she's like, okay, girl, they, uh, you're, you were not pertinent to this conversation. <laughs> but I'm giving you the contact information. I guess we need a white light or something. I don't know. Right. You are not germane to anything that is going on here. <laughs> Can I just give a real quick shout out to uh, the woman who plays John's wife? Because we like totally ragged on her character last episode. But, you know, she does a good job for what his wife for playing the role that uh, that she's playing, like that, that her his wife is supposed to play. And her name is um, I'm, I do. I'm. Oh God! I hope I don't mess up her last name. Uh, Gabrielle Bindlas, 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 
Bindloss, anybody know? It's B-Y-N-D-L-O-S-S. And so she plays Olivia Walker. She's also starred in The Outsider and uh, is starring in the, The Long Slow Exhale. Olivia, she she's there. She is the epitome of being there, stand by your man, no matter what. She she is loyal to a really stupid fault because I would have left that guy like three episodes in. But that's me. <laughs> she didn't leave him through the war and those right. three gold, those three medals. She ain't leaving him now. No, that's right. she's I mean, with him. She's with him. Yeah, she loves she, that man. Why should think, she leave him? Why should she leave him? I, no, I don't understand that. No, no. Think... Like, look, I get standing by a man. Yeah, but Boy I don't crazy. think she thought you, you did anything wrong. Stick no, with she didn't. Huh. She's with him. She's with him. She oh, thought, she's ride or die. She huh. thought he was doing. Which job. is exactly, uh, you know, that's why. That's why I say she is what she is. Because, again, that's that, that, that's not someone you stay with. I'm sorry. Like after you know your your man commits murder on international TV, that's that's a good point to just be like maybe this isn't working. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not that. sure. That I, I she she that's that. like one more on the belt. You know she don't care. She's been well, she's been with this man through a lot of horrors. She's she's staying with him. This is like, uh, come on. Yeah, he's told me. I'm sure he's told her. Yes. Maybe. Yes, yes. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. What but really he, she went knows, down. She knows. A, yeah, if she's a soldier's wife, she knows a lot more than she probably knows. he told her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's different. Well, Shady, you know, so being a soldier's family is is a life that, you know, you, you, you deal with things that these people bring home. And yeah. She's like, okay, now all the rest of y'all see what I have to, what I have been living with. You just, you just saw the one and you got all crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't, I think she I mean, thinks I mean, like everybody else that he did what he was, what he was told to do. Exactly. Right. And, and she I, has to live with this man. You but know, I don't going think she feels that it was wrong. I, I, I think mm-hmm. you guys are putting it out there. Like she, she sees that what he did was wrong and she's just standing by him. I don't. No, I don't I'm think not, she believes I, it's wrong at all. I think she, I'm, no. not, I'm not putting it out there like oh, that. Okay. No, no, she no, sees I, that this is just another thing that is going to be a thing on his soul. I mean, that she's seeing it as something that he's doing his job and now he has to live with this too. She said, I think, I, I've already got him that he had to live with whatever happened that day that he got three medals and now this too. So, you know, I'm here for the whole ride. Yeah, I think I said I was giving her, we gave her crap last, last episode, or one of those episodes talking about like, what black person is not That's pulling him up about. on oh. some things, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not like on what he on his actions now, like, we're just like, how are you married to this guy and you still are behaving this way and the black people in your life have to take a little bit of responsibility for that not a not a whole bunch but a little bit you know um but i think that uh you are you love a person and when you get married you are making a commitment to go through hell and high water with that person you know, for most of us who don't live in Hollywood, you know, they're, they're real, they're real (laughs) and deep. And, um, people, human beings go through hard times and we are not always our best selves as we face challenges. And we, it's how we adapt and, and, and react to those challenges later. And 
you don't fall out of love with somebody just because you don't see them as having done the right thing. But also, I get the point that she sees him, she doesn't see him as, as, as having done anything wrong. We get that vantage point from the outside looking in, and we have a lot more knowledge as well. So... Sorry, that's it. She needed to get him ready to come to the barbecue. That's what we were talking about. That's what we were saying. No, no, I got what you were talking about. I just, yeah. you know, I am I am not the type of person who's ever going to be like, oh, yeah, I am no matter what. Hell no. Okay, sometimes you just got to admit things like it ain't working. But we're trying <laughs> like, to say that love, out. love can only get so far. <laughs> I don't know. I've been married, so <laughs> I know that you. Yeah, three of us like, have been married, right? Like, like to be a said, you go through hell and high water with that person that you love, and you hope they would do the same for you, uh, because we're not perfect, and we all go through some some craziness as you get older, and sometimes you can't, um, you can't, you know, you you can't dictate how the story is being told, but so you. You look forward, that person that you married is that person that's going to keep you, um, keep you sane until, until this blows over or so you can make it to the next stop in your, in your life. And you would hope you have somebody like that in your life, because most of us are going to go through some really bad times and you want to have one person, uh, at least the person you said, uh, until death do you part is, uh, the person that's going to stand by you. Right. You really hope you really hope that because the, the, the fact of the matter is the truth of the matter is that none of us really want to face up to is that, you know, our shit stinks, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and none of us are peaches and, and we're, we're human and we messed up. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that what, you know, I, I that John Walker's behavior is behavior that I, is easily excusable to me from the outside looking at in, but then again, also I didn't sign up to be in the military either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't, I, I made decisions to not do certain things or be trained certain ways, you know, but, and, and so I'm just saying it's all about context and how you look at it. We, we just spent all this time talking about how he actually did what he was trained to do and what he was paid to do. He just happened to do that. And, the, and it's an unpalatable truth and we don't like it, but I don't, you know, but because he has this dichotomy between his ideal of what Captain America is and his actions, he starts to fracture, right. you know? Um, and when you're fracturing, you know, when you're falling apart, when your world is falling apart and your worldview is falling apart, the last thing you want is the person that's supposed to love you to run away. That's not what love is. Love is not easy and convenient. Love is sticking it out when shit is going hard. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's what love is. You know, so I just think it's a little idealistic to say like, okay, you know, like you messed up, I'm out. That, you know, and I, I mean... I get what you're saying because his actions were really horrible. I, I'm not saying that I don't get it. I just, I'm just saying that I think that a blanket statement about that is, is difficult to say, is difficult to back for me. Yeah. Because she, you know, I don't know. Go ahead. Cause I don't know. Cause like it's 
really weird thing because like that like what you're saying very much but then i don't know like let's say the spouses of killer cops like because that's essentially what you were comparing john to so you're like in and it it kind of goes to that level of offense of It goes to that level of offense of like, yeah, sure, he murdered an innocent man, and I he see, but he sees a lot of bad things. So you know, we're just gonna stick by. And so like, you know, at some point, it's not a matter of love; it's a matter of your own moral compass because you're the one who's still bending down with that first. That's a valid point, although I think it's mm-hmm. oversimplifying the argument a little bit. Well, you have to you have to go back to whether you say that that guy was an innocent man. I mean, you know, killing somebody who who was, you know, on a parking, you know, a, a, a moving violation in a car and you kill somebody is different from a flag smasher. I mean, the guy was one of this group that was doing all this just because he was the one that didn't happen to kill Lamar. He is in this group that did bomb a place that, you know, three people died, you know, the week before. So. He's not, he was not an innocent, this guy, but he was not the particular one that killed Lamar. So that's why I'm saying, yeah, Olivia's like, my husband did the, my husband was okay. He did the right thing. This, this group killed three innocent people last week and now they're, they're wanted. She said, she said it herself, probably said, yeah, we're, we're criminals now. Right. So anyway, but okay. But we could be on this. <laughs> we are, we are so way I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us on to the next point. And we're gonna stay here talking about this, but we we will give Olivia a point for staying with John. We're gonna give Olivia a minus point for not getting him ready for the barbecue. And oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So go, JD. What's our next point we're gonna talk about? Uh, well, the... on the subject of barbecues, Bucky's not invited to the Honda cookout anymore. <laughs> That was that was a scene. That was definitely a scene. <laughs> he said, she said, do not show your face like, to the for a while. And like, he is out from the bar. In too. the moments before he's still a white wolf. In though. the moments before, we do see um we, we see him, you know, he, he shows growth. He could have shot Zemo dead, but he chose not to. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, aren't we skipping person. episodes? No. no. The, oh, Zemo goes away in episode five? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought, I, I, you I'm obviously sorry. did not Slavokian watch this episode. I did. I just watched them all over again. I just keep wanting to put it in episode six yeah, for some stupid reason. No. That's a tense scene. What's left of Sokovia? Okay. Sorry. I gotta say, I give... I give Marvel props for the way they dismantled Sokovia as a nation. Just being all like, and once we had Ultron and everything happened, all the other places rather than help just decided, oh, this is my land now. And no more Sokovia. No more. Yeah. Because that felt terribly realistic. Absolutely. <laughs> it got annexed. And I thought that they were, it was really interesting, the little mind games that Zemo was playing with Bucky in that scene, because when Bucky pulls the gun up and he's like, he's going to shoot Zemo, Zemo just gave him, he did the little head tilt and like, 
remember when Zemo said there's still a little bit of the Winter Soldier in there? He wanted to see if he could still command him. And it, it was almost as if Zemo was saying, yes, shoot me. And then when Bucky did it and the gun didn't, you know, the bullet didn't come out, Zemo was like, oh, wow, I'm surprised. But I think they were messing with each other so much in that scene. But Zemo was messing with Bucky and Bucky was messing right back with Adam. That was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because I'm actually watching the scene now. And I got to say, Zemo, it's not until you see him literally look up down the barrel of a gun, just willing to die, that you realize, oh, yeah, Zemo is a man with nothing to lose. He has lost his wife, his kids. His only mission in life is just to destroy superheroes now. That's it. That's all he has left. He, he, he doesn't even have a home to go back to. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, he doesn't even have a home. That was right. a little dark for you know, you know just. I, I'm gonna give it to Daniel Bruhl. I mean, I love him. I love that actor. I I can't, I can watch anything Daniel Bruhl is in. Thank you. <laughs> that was a great scene. Although I did not appreciate him calling a Oyo hey. I was like, whoa, what's up? And then you're going to ask for a favor? <laughs> you're going to yell at a sister? Wait a minute very, now. I think they're very familiar. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. intimate. I know like, they are. Yeah. I mean, not intimate in a sexual you know, way. Yeah, but I, they're, know, they're, I know I know what you mean. I, I think there's an intimacy there. Not, yeah. maybe, not sexual, but I'm just saying there's more... There's a lot going on there that oh, we don't know about. Explain it to me again. This is the there's third a, point. All this stuff, like, she, helped save, she helped save his life. She knows his intimate thoughts and yes. and feelings and you know there's a there's a comradeship and a and a level of closeness that only comes through that that type of emotional toil with yeah. one another you know like she helped him through the hardest thing he's ever been through so uh -huh. they're way past they're way past they can she can say hey yeah. And you she understands say, hey. it. All yeah. right. Just no. like she All could right. call him James. You know, right. <laughs> Just like she can call him James. Exactly. So, you know, and, say? you know, Bass and what's wrong with you. saying hey? You know? <laughs> she, she damned him to boss. Okay. Oh my God. That actress is the one I would like to give a shout out to. That is Florence Kasumba. Yes. She's a nice Ugandan actress who lives in Berlin. She is phenomenal. If you guys have not watched Assembled, which is one of the extras that comes on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, please do because they do a whole hour on how the show uh, is put together. And she has a great little scene in there where she talks about the fact that she and the other Dora Milaje women that play those parts, they stay in training all year, waiting for the call waiting for from Marvel call. to come waiting back and right? do that scene. Do their yeah. scenes. I love, awesome. that. I love that. That is so dope. Like the, like the Dora Milaje are a, a, a cadre of women, not just on the screen, right. but off the screen too. I loved hearing I that. I just love that. You know? but that. That was like, oh, oh, it's a yeah. real thing. Right? It's a real <laughs> like, thing. Can, I, can real I start thing. training to be a Dora Milaje? Like, will somebody start teaching me? Because I, I want to do that. Like, you know, when you go to conventions and you see all the stormtroopers come in? Oh. Yeah, screw stormtroopers. We should go as the Dora Milaje like all the time. Oh. 
Sci-Fi okay. Sisters, Dora Milaje. Yes. Okay, yes! we won't we won't do it this year at STOV. We'll wait till next no, year. No, we'll, we'll wait, we'll wait till Chicago. Awesome. Hi, can we wait till we can all do something together? Well, that's since what we're I'm not saying. all going to be. Yeah. Are, are yeah. we all going? To, uh, we should all go to Chicago and do it. So. We should well, all go to Chicago. Well, this is that's another podcast. But go ahead. <laughs> Write in and let us know which conventions you think the Sci-Fi Sisters should be at. Okay, so Florence, if you're listening, Florence, we love you. And we know you are. And we know you are. Love all the Dora Milaje and love yes. that you guys. We, and we training. love you, sister. Yeah. I was talking about her voice last time. Remember, I was talking about like how I could listen to her. She could just read the ABCs, and I'd be I'd be so copacetic. I could just watch her walk anywhere. Dig it. <laughs> I could just watch. I could just watch her just give Arch that one eyebrow. I could just watch her give looks and give shade all day long. Like, oh my word, did you invent that word shade? Oh, three sci-fi sisters snaps in a circle and wow. all that. If you want to watch it? She's just finished shooting a movie about uh, another production of a *Midsummer's Night's Dream*, where she will be playing Hippolyta in that <gasps> production. So it just just. Just finished, so I don't know when it's going to actually show up on anything. But I'll look for look for Florence in that. I think she is an uncommon presence. So she has this presence on the screen. She just demands your attention. Oh, yes. And one of one of the things that I love about her so much is like her that posture. You know, <laughs> she has that posture of command, uh, but it's elegant and it's just like you. I shall not be moved. <laughs> she's, she's like, she's, she's immovable. She's solid. She's steady every time. Like, I mean, she's amazing to me. And yes, I really, really, really want to start training as a dormilaje. So if anybody out there lives in the DC area and you can start training me a really novice beginner, let's do this. DM me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before before this gets any more out of control, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take it down a notch. I feel like everything's too happy. Let's get a little depressing and go back to Baltimore. Uh, right? Back to Baltimore. Depressed with uh. Baltimore. But this we is my Sam scene. showing up. Oh, I hate Baltimore. We have Sam showing up. <laughs> Would you stop dissing on other people's cities? First, you're pissing all over New Jersey. Now you're pissing again, on Baltimore. Again, if they can show me the garden, I will happily let them be. Come over. You can smell it from here. And I won't. Oh, my God. Baltimore is a great city, okay? Baltimore has some great Baltimore is a fantastic city. I love Baltimore. It's right down the road from me. And you get to yep. go there. You, not only do you get to go to fantastic restaurants, but which was really cool. Um, but they, like, I have a lot of friends that live in Baltimore in these fabulous houses, right? Beautiful crown. It's affordable. It's mixed as hell. Baltimore is quirky. I mean, John Waters, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore. Yep. Come on, man. Crabs. Crabs. Like, I don't like Baltimore. Has a great you music guys, scene. Don't, don't get me started on your crabs. Baltimore okay? has a great like, music scene, a great artist. You, I, will, I will defend Baltimore. I will defend Washington, D.C. and Baltimore all right. day long to anybody. I mean, you, you can do that. It's a losing battle. I'm from the West Coast. I got my Damn. own bad What y'all got? You got I a house enjoy. that's newer, that's older than 60 years old on the West Coast? What you got? I would take <laughs> Oakland over Baltimore every day, okay? <laughs> Oakland? Yeah, Oakland's Oakland. nice. I like Oakland. Yeah. 
Oakland's a I'm very just not a hater place. on other cities. I just, I, I, there's, I, I can't hate that hard on other cities. Okay, See, I, there's I have one. Been there's one that I can hate I that like, hard on. Yeah, I'll I'm not going to say what it is. I don't have to waiting. like every city. Like, like stop taking that as a personal attack. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> we totally don't. Uh, all right, I'm going to take over the host of this show, and I'm moving us on to the next. I think we're all just trying to move on, but. You know, this is the scene that, well, I think this speech and the speech in episode six go so well together. But um, Isaiah, I mean, first of all, Carl Lumbly just breaks me down in tears. He's, he's so effective. Uh, the pain that Isaiah went through, he just makes it so real, you know, and I... I have to stop for a second. That's that's all I got right now. Yeah, it was a great scene of of the the older generation having gone through everything that they have gone through, and here he has this younger Sam coming in to tell him. You know, I love it when Sam starts to. He says, "Is that what I think it is?" And he starts to unzip that case that the shield is in. He says, <laughs> "Leave it covered. Them stars and stripes don't mean anything to mm-hmm. me." I was yeah. like, "Oh, here we go." I mean, I've got, I've, I took notes on this scene and I've got almost every line of dialogue that Isaiah says. It's like, yep, that, mm-hmm, yep, that. Mm-hmm. It's so pertinent today. I mean, we're seeing this all happen today, especially now that we are recording this, of, of we're recording this on the anniversary of the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. And, you know, has another, another scene of real African-American history that has been erased. And so we you know, do a rewatch of this uh, scene with Isaiah Bradley, who then talks about another horrific uh, episode in American history that was erased. And he says, he said, they've been doing this to us for 500 years. And, you know, we have, um, you know, we have this struggle now with the the 1619 project being, you know, being made to be dubious and being um not... Can you expound upon that a little bit? If you're going to mention, like, please mention, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with the 1619 project. The 1619 project is a is a uh, uh, amalgamation of of essays by Black historians that tells the history of the Black uh, people's experience here in the United States since 1619, when the first slaves were brought to America. And there have been um, a lot of people who have said that this is uh, not a correct retelling of, this is a retelling of history, it's not correct, they don't want to hear it, uh, even though it is one Pulitzer Prize and it's gone on to be uh, taught in schools and, you know, it's, it's an uncovering of a lot of things that are not taught in the public school system, like the Tulsa massacre. Uh, like this experimentation on American Black GIs during World War II, which are all true things. This is not Marvel fiction. So um, this scene of Isaiah Bradley saying that this is what they've been doing just for 500 years just resonated with uh, anyone Black who's watching this and knows 
anything about our history. Um, it was it, it was bone chilling. It was just absolutely bone chilling. I just think that I had to go to college before I started learning anything about Black history that wasn't uh, Frederick Douglass, George Washington Carver, you know, um, Lincoln Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Yeah. That's all you, you know, got. Um, Martin Luther King. Okay. Right. Martin Luther King. We love us some Martin Luther King. Hated some Malcolm X. You know, I mean, th that's why I was taught. Like, you know, that, uh, I'm not saying that was my opinion. I mean, that was just, you know, that's, and, that's and it was literally going to college before I, you know, and I had my first class where I had to read up from slavery. Mm -hmm. And my world was so changed, you know, and, and I, and I feel, so when we talk about burying our history, our, our history being erased, us being erased, the power of learning about myself, of learning about the people that I came from, this is so, so important. I can't understate the importance of that one simple phrase. They've been doing that to us for 500 years. We cannot, most Black people in this country cannot trace their lineage. We can't trace it back to slavery, through slavery, most of us. We can't trace it back to which nation or, or tribe we came from in Africa. We can't. I watch, um, anybody ever watch Henry Louis Gates' uh, Finding Your Roots? Finding Your Roots. Yeah. Finding Your yeah. Roots. And you, you notice when you always, all the white guests, they can go back generations, you know, generations and generations, they can go back like a thousand years sometimes, you know, <laughs> or a hundred or it's 500 years and, and have their entire history and say, this person did this and this person did that. And it's this sense of identity and of, of empowerment, like who you came from. And we can barely go back a couple of generations in our country. So we lost not only, you know, it makes it seem like you're not relevant until you're relevant as we started to use you, you know, as chattel and as slaves, but you did, and also what's even more important and more hurtful is the huge civilizations, these great civilizations that were alive and thriving in Africa far beyond when any white folks even knew what proper hygiene was. And that you don't, you literally don't shit where you eat mm -hmm. or sleep. And mm -hmm. we had complete irrigation systems going on in the continent of Africa. You know, I mean, to know that I, to not know that I came from that is such a hindrance psychologically. You know, I mean, just when I found out this, uh, this is what my people have done going back 2000, 3000 BC, you know, it's amazing to me, or however right. long. So, you know, right. it's amazing and it's powerful to you know. So the so the this uh, this idea of erasure is a tool of colonialism, and it's very effective in breaking the psyche of the people. It's extremely effective. Most black people in this country don't know their history. You know, and it's because we're not taught and therefore we don't think that we, we, when we think of ourselves, the first thing we think is like, oh, we came from slaves. You think slave and most white people and other people around the world think slave. 
not the first people that had irrigation, not the first people that hit indoor plumbing, not the first people that knew how to treat all these different ailments, not the first people who looked up into the stars and figured out that the thing, that the damn planet was rotating around the sun. You know, not the first people that learned these things, not the first people who built these pyramids, not just in Egypt. I'm saying there's so much more. People, if you haven't watched Henry Louis Gates Jr., Africa's Great Civilizations, find it. Find it and watch it. It's some of the best documentaries on this earth. You know, our history extends so deep and it's a well of power and knowledge and identity that we have to work to gain access to. And history began before white folks started paddling on boats trying to see some of the shit and conquer people. British Hmm. history, Western history is not the beginning of history. Nope. I'm stepping down so from, you were saying from first, said just, emotional soapbox. Just nope, first nope, people, nope, nope. period. Not a soapbox. It's not <laughs> a soapbox. It needs to be heard. Yeah. And that's all to it. I mean, that, yeah. That's all to you. it. It just needs to be heard because this this episode is a lot for me. Um, and the next one, too. I, I just, I have a very love-hate relationship with this country. And I think most Black people do. Um, and as a Black American, um, I know my history, my family history, and I was raised knowing it. Um, and I, I, you know, it took me a long time to know how privileged I was to know that and that most Black people did not. Um, and then, like you said, when I went to college, I learned all these other things. You know, I I grew up with uh, five percenters and the Muslim nation and, you know, just I knew a lot from people talking and you know when you're a kid you look at them like what are they talking about <laughs> we're from Harlem <laughs> that's all I knew or we're, from, <laughs> we're from Norfolk Virginia that's what I knew mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and like you said once you know these things once you know who and what you came from uh you just become a different human you you you, you stand straighter you believe in yourself a little more, you know, it's no one could. And then you, you get to the point in your life where you're like, who, what are you talking, who are you talking to? Who, who, who I am, you know, I am the descendant of Kings and Queens, you know, you, 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 you can, you can take that on. And, and, you know, before we started really knowing about our history, you know, you could tell a lot of people don't want to take on that African uh, persona or know that history. They don't want that to be part of them. They want to be these, you know, Americans, just Americans. And I think we, I know I, I thought that too, that I'm just an American and that's it. But I like the fact that I'm an American, but I'm an Af- I'm, I have an African um, ancestry. And that makes me proud also because I do know the history of, of those people. But I never want to take away from the slaves that I came from. Because mm-hmm. those people were important also. Mm-hmm. And I know people say, oh, it didn't start with slaves. Okay, it didn't start with slaves. But please don't erase those people. Right. right. But the, the, those people, they built this goddamn country. Right. You know, literally. And, I mean, literally. You know, these are people who, I don't know those people in Africa. But I do know more about these people here in this mm-hmm. country. So I always start with the slaves in my family because I know who they are. 
and they mean something to me. So I just please, you know, we can be happy about Africa and everything, but never, never, never forget about the slaves in this country who who we came from. I mean, right. literally came from. Right. And I, I mean, and I'm not. And I'm, I'm sorry. I understand what you're saying. I mm -hmm. just I, I we have to we have a very complicated history. We yeah. like you said, we don't know where we came from, so we take the whole continent and want to you know, really hold on to it. But we do know, you know, most of us know where we came from when it comes to the slave part. You know, most of us do. Right. And I, I always want to make sure those people never get lost because yeah. those people, they built this country and this is our country. And I love this country. Like I said, I have a love hate and I, but just like in this, this whole thing that Sam is dealing with, I, I felt it, you know, because and Lamar, you know, I, I fought for this country, right. you know, I, I, my family, my, I have, I come from a long line of people who fought for this country. Um, and we never thought anything different. We just felt that this was something we needed to do, but we understood that this country hates us and doesn't think of us as Americans, but I know I'm an American, you know, and that, that's, that was more than enough. And that's my soapbox. But mm. Go ahead. <laughs> which is not a soapbox because it needs to be said <laughs> i want to point out one more i mean to me it just gave us a great documentary but i will give you another one for what yvette was just talking about what slaves did here in this country and the documentary is called high on the hog mm. and it's on netflix right now and it is the history of what black people brought to this country through food and you would think that that's you know not a big deal but it is awesome. an amazing six episode and when wow. you see what the the wealth that was brought here the what what black people contributed through their toil labor work cooking food i mean the things that were that are so american now that came from africa i thought i had no idea so again, more erasure that, you know, I just learned this last weekend when I was watching High on the Hog. Take a look at it. It's on Netflix. It is an amazing journey through from, from Benin through the Middle Passage all the way to the beginning of slavery to, you know, um, Reconstruction, the 30s, right up until today. And it's all about what we have brought to this country um through the culinary point of view but it's it's a lot of history that i had never heard before so check it out it is really it is really all about you know what we brought over here and what these slaves did so back to bucky back, okay wait a minute i'm one sorry more thing. i got one more thing because no, you got it uh, all because Drop this knowledge girl this word erasure you know we we use it a lot in 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 vocabulary today now but and it makes it sound like it's a really very passive thing like it's just a thing that happened right like but nobody exerted agency over making it happen erasure includes things like whipping people for speaking their own language or whipping people for worshiping their own gods you know um erasure is a is an active word and it, it like it took actions to do so it's not just about not telling the truth you know it took some it took decisions to hide history and to decide to write history books with only one version of the truth right 
you know, to codify, to codify things, decision, put it in it, laws. Erasure and, yeah. also includes the breaking up of families, right? How do you have a family unit? How do you, you can erase in familial bonds and connections between one another when you separate mothers from children and wives from husbands and brothers from sisters and literally send them, you know, hundreds or a thousand miles away from one another. Uh, erasure includes uh, naming me something that's not in my tongue, mm-hmm. you know, giving me a name that's from your culture. You know, erasure is a, it's a, it's a word that I think that we sort of skim over and, mm-hmm. you know, and in this new blackness now that people like to throw around, like, you know, there's a whole new wave of vocabulary that's out there coming from younger people who have, are studying this stuff in, in colleges and stuff and like, oh, this is my terminology for this. Now that's great, but what does that terminology mean? You know, break it down uh, into concrete, into something living. Language is a, is a living thing. And, and, you know, what does that really mean to me? So, you know, when I think about erasure, I just want to let people know that, you know, it's, it's not a concept. You know, it's, it's, it's actions that happen that have consequences. That's all. And it's done by the guys in the ties. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's done by the guys in the ties. The guys in the ties. Don't, okay. don't get it twisted because this stuff is not things that, you know, it's a, it's a, when we say systemic racism, which is another term that people just like to bandy about and say it isn't true, it's no, it's the guys in the ties making laws, making policies, making this really happen to to change, corral, erase, make it like it never happened. No, we're not going to teach that. No, we're not going to say that. It, it, it's amazing. It's insidious and you have to be on it all the time. And I really appreciate this um you know, here we go, it's a Star Trek moment. You know, it's like a Gene Roddenberry kind of thing where you were trying to show somebody something in, in, a, in a way that they can easily digest it. Okay, if you're not going to listen to hours of news and you're not going to listen, you're not going to read the paper, maybe you're going to go to Disney Plus and you're going to watch a TV show about a superhero and you'll finally understand what erasure of Black culture really means. So if that's what you, that's how you need to get it. Thank you very much, right. <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. So, um, okay. Lead us on, Let's sister like girl. History. Lead us on. Uh, must I? This is where, this is where, my dear audience, I'm going to lose enthusiasm greatly because our next scene is the boat scene where we start fixing the boat. Yes, after talking to Isaiah, where he lets him know, like. America will never allow a black man to carry a shield and no self-respecting black man would want to, which, okay, I said I had no ass point, but that was a good <laughs> line because it does, it does carry a lot of weight behind it. Um, just like you wouldn't want to, like, like Yvette was talking about what the complicated relationship uh, black people have with the country is, yeah, it's just that idea, like, why, why are you simping for the same country that would, that literally tried to arrest you for yelling at a white man last time you was here? Like, this is what you want to be the symbol of. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a complicated it's thing. Because you got that white friend and you think you're different. Yeah. And, and, and you know. Haven't we all heard that one before? Yeah. And yeah. Sam says, but the world is different now. I know people. That's my favorite. Oh, baby. And you know what? I mean, I can't say Sam was wrong. Because Sam, he does know people. He has mm-hmm. friends in high places. He could make things happen. You're right. But that's not most black folks. Like right. I come from that family who like, I know people. I have had a I have done the military Fourth of July at the White House. I've shaken hands with the Obamas. But look, I like I know people, but like that ain't gonna help most black folks. <laughs> like no, I'm at a different I'm at a I'm at a privileged black person level. That that's what that is. It's like that my my life is never gonna help that person who is out there struggling because their entire district has always been red line. Like and that's something again, Sam, he doesn't he wants to help. We all want to help, but you know, sometimes you just gotta realize, oh, oh, this this is nothing like what I was raised in. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that line with Sam says, yeah, I'm from the South. I get it. And, and I was like, no, baby boy, you, don't, really? you don't get no, it. No, you don't get it. Because then, you know, Isaiah had to start breaking this down to him. He's like showed mm-hmm. him his scars. He's told him about his wife and how they, you know, he told him that whole story, which was so, I mean, honestly, I could skip the rest of the stupid episode. Like, I mean, this is where the meat of this episode is, is right here. <laughs> like, I don't have anything else to say about Sam practice and, and, and montages and throwing shields around trees and whatnot, you know, like, I don't care. You know, I, 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 as a matter of fact, in my notes, I wrote Sam practices with shield, big whoop. You know, like, okay, I mean, the only whoop that it is, is that he's accepting his role, finally. Okay, yay, we know that. That takes one sentence. Going back to Isaiah. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to Isaiah for the whole reason that this episode exists is for Isaiah's story, right? And man, there's so much heartbreak there. You know, I mean, he had, it humanized like it's a, you know, don't I bleed? You know, I had a wife. I had a woman I loved, you know, and they told her I was dead. Not only did they tell her I was dead, they kept her letters from him for 30 oh, years, you know, and, you know, uh, they tortured him. They committed, the, they did all those experiments on him for 30 years. 30 years to see why it worked. And just to really drive home for the audience who, you know, hasn't done the math because I didn't, I believe Isaiah fought in the Korean War, which started in 1950. 30 years from that would be 1980. Some of you might have just been born. All right. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a while. Okay. Like, Dude went in jail without rights and couldn't drink at certain water fountains, came out. He's a whole citizen suddenly. He, well, he, he's not. He's dead. But <laughs> he could have right. been. <laughs> he's dead. He's dead, Jim. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I guess I've, I've run out. I've, I've wrung this subject dry. But I mean... <laughs> 
I mean, I, I agree with you, JD. Like, I mean, after this, I, I lost enthusiasm for the rest of this episode too. There yeah, there was just the, one... the talk with Sam and Bucky. Same. That was kind no, of no, 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 no. There is one scene that I, in you know, sort of watching and listening to everyone talk, that I, I, I liked because I was watching the scene where John is explaining to Lamar's family oh. what happened. Oh yes, you mean okay. when he lies? Yes. And he lies. Yeah, he does. He does, and he knows he lies. Like you can see it in his face. Like he, so he knows he is straight but up. The lying. sister, the sister was on it. She knew. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right. She, they were like, but, "Is like, this the man?" Watching John with that family, like, oh, that was. I I got the feeling like this is a man who has been to a cookout. What the hell? How is he mm. still acting like this? <laughs> yeah, I, I got the same feeling. I was like, mama, wait, wait, he knows these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, what is happening yeah, no. here? What is going like, on? That with black this? mama cared for him. Yes. Yeah. Very much. Like, I, I I had a hard time watching that scene, mm-hmm. you know, um, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is black mama doting on him <laughs> you know like i mean in the way it was uh, i just but, she but like she was bamboozled right you right. know um you know and just he just loved you he loved you he thought you, he would have followed you anywhere <sighs> yeah uh, but that's, that but that's what but that's what um what's his name but, again but, what's the guy's name again which oh. one lamar well, Lamar. Lamar. So, but that's how Lamar felt about him, right? You know, she, I mean, I, yeah. she just ate it up. She was just like, "Oh, he can do no no harm." You know, everything. She just poor baby. She was so hurt that she would have believed anything. Yeah. That, and he, that he said. And he told her. You know, <laughs> and he and he told her anything. And my, so, my question was, um, and I guess I can't blame her a lot either because I can now uh, rewatching this after our previous conversations, Yvette, I always think of her, her reaction. I always think of them in terms of battle buddies now. And, and that adds, right. so, thank you so much for expounding upon that because it adds so much more depth to their relationship. And she's the mother of the battle buddy, you know? Right. So like, I really can't fault her that much, but it's just difficult. It's hard to watch. And then, um, and then how he lies to them, I'm like, my original thought was that he was, he can't, he's rationalizing in his own mind what he did. Like, this is the truth that he's telling them, and he's trying to start believing this truth now, too, because I never got the sense that he was being cagey about how he lied. I thought, I thought he was really, like, so mentally undone that this is now this false person version of reality is now his truth. I just thought that he just couldn't, like you said, they're battle buddies and he's coming to tell them about how their son died after he's been through so much with them that he just couldn't tell them that he didn't get the person. I thought so he was going to lie. Mm-hmm. He just you couldn't know what? bring himself to tell them. I thought he was he trying to justify the fact that he killed no. the wrong person. I feel like, and it, it's one of those blink and you miss it things, because I just went to the wiki, because uh-huh. I wasn't sure I was remembering it right. Lamar isn't just a battle buddy. Lamar is someone John has known since high school, because 
Lamar makes right, a comment right, about how right, he yeah. failed drama class. That's right. Like, that's right. They yeah. they have known each other for God knows how long. They go way <laughs> way back. Well, they yeah. like, aren't they like Bucky and uh, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like this is this is a family who has quite literally they don't just know John like they have watched John grow up. And I, I just I don't know. He couldn't come home and tell them that he didn't kill the guy that killed their son. He just couldn't tell them that. But I think yeah. his sister knew that he was lying. Well, because yeah, she, like, probably watched, she probably watched him grow up too and saw the real him. Yeah. yeah, she knows him. She probably knows him well enough to know when he's lying. Yeah. So I, I just, I didn't think there was anything that he was trying to pull one over on them for some nefarious reason. I think he just couldn't bring himself to say, you know, I got Lamar killed and I didn't get the killer. Okay. I, I, I thought that he couldn't bring himself to say that because he can't accept that reality. Well, I think that's part of it too. I think that is, no, I think you, that's true. He can't, he's not, no, I, he's not even going to tell anybody that. It, mm-hmm. Not even himself. It, right. Not even himself. Not even okay. himself. And, you know, when you start doing stuff, like, what's the name of the episode? Truth. Truth. Right. And truth will always come up to the top. It's going to come out. And you can't, you can't, you know, you can't hide it and tell yourself the wrong thing. And eventually it comes out. Yeah. And, and after so, that, after that scene, we have more, more montage. Sharon is talking to a mysterious character who speaks French. Guys, it's Fat Truck. I'm sorry if you hadn't picked that up by now, right. but he's right. the only man who speaks French in the entire MCU. A whole right. MCU. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Look, I'm just saying. So, like, so Sharon, she knows Bat Truck. She's calling shots. Who could she be? Hmm. I mean, obviously we know the answer, but I'm going to tell you next episode. We don't know the answer until next episode, exactly. I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) We all know the answer. Marvel people know the answer. You're the Lord of the Easter eggs and the Lord of the episodes. I mean, if you're not a a deep Marvel fan, like, you know, if you're not up on stuff, then you don't know the answer. If you are that one person I keep telling to watch the episode for listening, you 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 may not know the answer, but I know the answer. And with that, we we really do come to the end of the episode. I cannot pretend to care about a training montage. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. and then they set up they set up the next episode. They set up the last episode. Yeah, I will say. Sam, he, he's ready to accept the shield. He trains with the shield. He learns how to use the shield. Carly, we see that the GRC council is being held hostage. Who could it be by? I don't know. Um, like that's that's really all we got. Roll credits and then make sure Disney Plus does not skip ahead because this episode had a post credit scene. Yep. So don't hit that button so, that says next episode, people. Yeah, don't don't let Disney make you miss this because the post credit scene, uh, we get John welding himself a new shield. He puts his medals of honor on that thing. 
this man apparently has a very valued skill in what is it? It's not carpentry, metalworking, yeah. and yet he's concerned about being Captain America. Dude, you could be making bank. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's got a trade with your artisan craft. Yes, right. he could. <laughs> that was a great. Why do you feel the need to beat ass? Like when you could just weld can metal be on Etsy. <laughs> right. You can be making fake shields for people online, and like John. But he doesn't have and any vibranium. Look, his brand name would be Captain Wannabe. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just saying. Oh, and imagine the markup. Like, oh, this shield was literally made by the former Captain America. Dude, like, <laughs> come on. Like, you need to get now a before they're all plan. gone. Done <laughs> <laughs> with John Walker. <laughs> like, I've never been so angry to learn someone has an honest to God skill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, but seriously, like, it's no wonder he could just, like, rip apart Sam's wings and disable Bucky's arms. Apparently, the guy knows how to use metal. <laughs> and so with anyway, that, I want to. I want to give a shout out to the writer of this episode, um, you know, because this was such a heavy episode. I just want to call him out. His name is Dalan Musson, D-A-L-A-N, and last name is M-U-S-S-O-N. And believe it or not, this is a white guy that wrote this episode. So I want to shout out to this ally. Thank you, my white brother. for giving us all of this information and really breaking it down. I know, you know, Nate Moore, who is the um, VP of Marvel Studios, who's also producing this, has got a lot to do with this. And also Malcolm Spellman, who is the um, the head writer. But this was an incredible episode, and I really want to give a shout out to this. And um, well done. Well done. Well done indeed. Yes, so Very well done. Wow. We have... Talked the hell out of this episode, haven't we? (laughs) It was good, though. I told you guys there was a lot to talk about with this episode. I mean, it's just really one scene that took a long time. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. Like there was a lot to dissect in one scene. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it was evenly distributed throughout the episode, but it was there. It was there. It was. It was there. (laughs) So. We want to know everybody's thoughts on what we discussed today or anything else about this episode, uh, number five, Truth of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Or if you just want to say hi to us, you know, say how you doing, Sci-Fi Sisters, you know. Yvette, where can people reach us? You can find us at SciFiSisters.com. That's S-Y-F-Y-S-I-S-T-A-S.com. Join us on the mothership. That's M-U-T-H-A-S-H-I-P and the Sci-Fi Sisters Book Club, both on Facebook. On Instagram, it's sci-fi.sisters. And we are also on Twitter at Sci-Fi Sisters. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We can't wait to see you on the next show when we go into The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 6, One World, One People. Um, But before we sign off, I just want to say thank you, Dose the Anonymous One. He is the baddest engineer in the galaxy. He's also responsible for all the music that you hear on our show. And if you need his services for music or for engineering, 
You can find him at dosetheanonymousone at gmail.com. That's D-O-S-T-H-E-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, the number one at gmail.com. We are the Sci-Fi Sisters. Peace, love, and hair grease, people.